And uh, Acts, please, the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts chapter 27. And we'll begin at verse 27. Acts 27. <clears throat> this is, uh, at least in my mind, still Thanksgiving weekend, even though I know the, the, the date, the day has passed. Uh, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving when it's hard. And let's, uh, let's get the scene or the, the setting for the text we're going to read. Paul, uh, Paul is, um, is on a boat on the sea, the Mediterranean. He's not a tourist. This is not a cruise. He's a prisoner. And he's being taken to Rome where he will stand trial, where he uh, ultimately will die. And a storm blows up. We're going to begin at verse uh, 27, but verse 14 says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the islands. So it's a, it's a big wind. Verse uh, 15, The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And now we begin at verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves all together. There were 276 of us on board. You wouldn't call that a, um, a Thanksgiving feast. It wasn't a big spread, but the winds were still blowing, the rains were still falling when Paul uh, broke bread. He said, guys, you've got to eat. And he broke bread and he gave thanks in the middle of the storm. Thanksgiving 2020 sounds like an oxymoron. Those two words sound it's as if they don't belong in the same sentence, the same breath. But because this is still technically Thanksgiving weekend, I thought it might be a good Christian discipline for us to, to choose to be thankful, uh, even when being thankful is hard. I could run down um, the bad things that have happened in 2020, but you already know those, and that would just be discouraging. So let me just mention a few of the good things that have happened in 2020. It's not a long list, but it's a good list. So some good things that happened in 2020. Curbside pickup became a thing. Drive-by parties became a thing. And by the way, lest, lest there be any 
Uh, confusion. Men love drive-through showers. We love those where you drive through and wave and go back to watch football games. Drive-through parties became a thing. Sweatpants became fashionable. Seamstresses, sewers, many of them around here, made masks for healthcare workers. Hundreds and hundreds of masks have been made by people in this congregation. Distilleries used their resources to produce hand sanitizer. Automakers used their resources to make ventilators. We finally appreciate teachers. We recognize healthcare workers as heroes. And this is my favorite. We have, as far as we know, about a dozen um, FBC, First Baptist Church, Huntsville babies on the way. COVID kids, that's something to be uh, thankful for. COVID-19 has not been a complete wash. We've got some good things coming out of it. And yet, despite all those uh, fun facts, to say that 2020 has been a hard year is an understatement. We can, though, learn from history. I had always thought that the first uh, Thanksgiving was in 1621 in the Plymouth colony, you know, the pilgrims. But when I uh, moved to Virginia, I learned that, um, at least in Virginia, they think that was the second Thanksgiving. In 1619, there were 36 uh, new settlers that landed at what would become Berkeley Plantation between Williamsburg and Richmond on the James River. And when they got off the boat, Captain John Woodleaf told them all to kneel down and thank God, and they did, and he issued a declaration that said, um, the day of their arrival would be yearly and perpetually kept, apparently they said kept back then, would be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. Now that Thanksgiving is understandable. You've had a long voyage, you're safe, you're still alive, you're in a new world. And so it was very natural, it was easy to thank God. But the, one, the Thanksgiving that we typically think of uh, was, was different. The, the context was more difficult, it was much harder. Within the year, they had lost uh, half of their group. Everybody, everybody at that Thanksgiving we think of as the first Thanksgiving, everybody had lost someone very close to them. Many of them were themselves ill. It had been a hard year. Now, we don't know how it exactly it happened, whether we don't know exactly whether there was turkey and whether the, even the Native Americans were there. Some of the people are debating that. But the point of the story is that they chose, when things were hard and some of them were grieving, they chose to be thankful because they knew that Thanksgiving is good for the soul. And when it is hardest, it is perhaps most important. This is not the first time that our nation has celebrated Thanksgiving in the middle of a pandemic. 102 years ago in 1918, it was the so-called Spanish flu. Spanish flu was even more deadly than COVID-19 has been. The outbreak began in the spring of 1918 and in October alone, in the, the month before Thanksgiving, in October alone, 195,000 Americans died 
from the flu. Just remember, 265,000 Americans have died with COVID-19, but in the, in the month of October alone, 195,000 Americans had died. Before it was over, 50 million people in the world would die and 675,000 in the U.S. And I share those numbers to say that Thanksgiving 1918 was hard. But there was something different about Thanksgiving that year, different from this year. There was a greater sense of exuberance and gratitude. Probably because we had just come off of World War I. November 11 was Armistice Day, when the war, the, the First World War, the war to end all wars, uh, was over. There was a great spirit of patriotism. In fact, even though there were, there were um, debates about which businesses should stay open and what should shut down, just like 2020, wearing masks was a patriotic act. People thought, I'm protecting my fellow Americans. And so there was a lot of, there was a lot of patriotism. This week I read an article by Anthony Wood. He wrote, the epidemic that ultimately would claim an estimated 670,000 American lives was on fire in the fall of 1918. It was at its peak. Yet on November 28, 1918, the, the nation celebrated Thanksgiving exuberantly. Best Thanksgiving in the history of the city proclaimed a headline in the New York Sun. In the words of historian Kenneth C. Davis, the national attitude was this, we have a lot to be thankful for. The war is over, we're still alive. At Thanksgiving 1918, the heartbreak of the pandemic was superseded by, by gratitude. Now I know we can't, we can't manufacture the patriotism that would have been evident right after World War I. Remember, they celebrated Thanksgiving just two, two weeks or so after Armistice Day. We can't manufacture that. But they had something that, in 1918, that, that we don't have much of in, in 2020. It was as if they were in it together. And I know that patriotism and the war had a lot to do with that, but I, and I, I don't want to be simplistic, but I just wonder if we could not try to recapture some of that. And I can't speak for all of America, I can't speak for all of North Alabama, but I would appeal to my fellow North Alabamians. Could we maybe choose to be kinder to each other? Could we maybe choose to appreciate uh, each other? Could we choose maybe to be thankful for each other? It didn't make the pandemic of 1918 go away, but it made Thanksgiving a whole heap better when they recognized they were in it together. So whether you, you live in Athens or Scottsboro or downtown Huntsville, regardless of the hue of your skin or the accent of your tongue, regardless of the level of your income or the level of your education, whether you pull for Alabama or Auburn or Ole Miss or Mississippi State or even Tennessee, whoever you pull for, let's do, <laughs> let's do remember that we're in this together. 
Paul gave thanks in the middle of the storm. We read that a moment ago that, as I said, the storm, the winds were still blowing, the rains were still falling when he broke bread and he, and he gave thanks. Sometimes the right thing to do is to give thanks in the middle of the storm, which is why Johnson Oatman Jr. wrote a song that we all, a lot of us grew up singing. When upon life's billows you are tempest tossed, and when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Our thoughts are to some extent a choice. What we think about is to some extent a choice. Which is why Kristen quoted a moment ago from 1 Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. The decision to be thankful is, well, it's a decision. It's not always a natural response. And positive thoughts are not, not always something that, they don't always occur naturally. Sometimes they are their choices. Don't be anxious about anything, God tells us in his word, but he doesn't stop there. He, he didn't say just stop being anxious. He offered us the antidote to anxiety. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. And he didn't stop there. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. So thanksgiving is a choice. Richard Carlson, some of you read some of the series of books he wrote, Don't Sweat the, the, the Small Stuff. He talked about thought attacks, those negative attitudes, those negative th th thoughts that come to us. And he said, we can treat them like a thought attack and we can say, whoa, I'm not going to go there. Whoops, I'm not going to do that. We can, I don't, I don't want to be simplistic and, and act like there's just some switch we can flip to be happy. But to some degree, our, our positive, our positive thoughts are, are possible by, by choice. Sounds, he, he, that's what the Bible is talking about in Psalm 42. And he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I don't mean to be simplistic. But when we say, why are you, soul, why are you, why are you so down in the dumps? Why are you so grieving? Why are you so discouraged, I will, I will be thankful. I will be grateful for what I have. There's a story that um, I told a couple of years ago, and I'm going to tell it again because it's, uh, it's, it seems more appropriate this year than when I first told it. One of my favorite books is Tracks of a Fellow Struggler by uh, John Claypool. Years ago, uh, John Claypool was pastor of the Crescent Hill Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And his, while he was pastor there, his daughter, Laura Lou, contracted leukemia. Laura Lou died at the age of 12. Uh, many of you all know Dana Lee uh, Jennings. Uh, Dana Lee uh, was a friend of the Claypools. And when Laura Lou died, uh, they gave her um, dollhouse, she had the big dollhouse, uh, to Dana Lee and her family. That's just a little side note to the story. But in this book, Tracks of a Fellow Struggler, he talks about the horrific nature of her disease, of Laura Lou's disease. 
He tells just heartbreaking stories about sitting with her during the night at Children's Hospital in Louisville. And when she did finally die, it took him a while to come back to the pulpit to preach. Just, of course, devastated emotionally. But when he did finally limp emotionally back into the pulpit, he said to his friends in the congregation, what got me through the darkness was not the road of understanding, for he said, I cannot understand how my daughter, why my daughter would suffer like that. He said, it was not the road of acceptance. I cannot just accept that she has died. He said, what got me through the darkness was the road of gratitude. He said that when his daughter was sickest, he remembered a story from his childhood. He was in charge, this was in the 1940s, he was in charge of of the laundry. That was his chore, that was his duty in the family. And uh, he said it was a real pain because they didn't have a washing machine, they had to go to the laundromat. And it was just a, it was, it was just a pain. But then an associate of his father was temporary, temporarily relocated. So they were, go, they were gonna live, move to another state for a while, then they would move back. But while they were gone, this family decided, why let our washing machine sit there and rust? Let's, let's let the clay pools use it. So a pickup truck backed into their driveway and they unloaded what he called an old green Bendix, the Bendix being the brand of the washing machine, of the, yeah, the washing machine. And he, oh, it just changed his life. He loved that, that green washing machine. It made his life so much more pleasant, so much simpler. He loved that washing machine. But then his father's associate was transferred back to their town. And, and so while little John was at school one day, a, the, a pickup truck backed into the driveway and men loaded that, old, that green Bendix washing machine and, and took it away. And when he came home, not knowing that it happened, he went down to where, I guess the basement, where the, wherever they were, had the washing machine and, and found that it was gone. And he was furious that they had, ta- they, he was furious that they had taken away that washing machine. And his mother saw how mad he was, how, how unfair he felt it was. And his wise mother said, wait a minute, son. You must remember that machine never belonged to us in the first place. That we, that we ever got to use it at all was a gift. So instead of being mad at, it, at its being taken away, let's use this occasion to be grateful that we had it at all. And he continued, at least it makes things bearable when I remember that Laura Lou was a gift, pure and simple something I neither earned, nor deserved, nor had a right to. And when I remember that the appropriate response to a gift, even when it is taken away, is gratitude, then I am better able to try and thank God that I was ever given her in the first place. Everything we have is a gift. That job is a gift, the kids are a gift, the grandkids are a gift, the very breath we breathe is a gift. 
And we've lost some of those gifts. But the appropriate response to a gift, even when it is taken away, listen to his words again. At least it makes things bearable when I remember that Laura Lou was a gift, pure and simple, something I neither earned nor deserved nor had a right to. And when I remember that the appropriate response to a gift, even when, I, when it is taken away, is gratitude, then I am better able to try and thank God I was ever given her in the first place. I know Thanksgiving 2020 is hard. But even those people we've lost, they were a gift that they ever knew us and we knew them, that they ever loved us and we loved them. That's a gift. Our health for as long as we have it, our breath as long as we breathe it, they're all gifts. I would suggest that this Thanksgiving may be, for some of us, Maybe the hardest. It may also be that for all of us, this Thanksgiving is the most important. While Esther plays, and then our deacon will have our closing prayer.